Hey, how many of you guys use Facebook? Any, anybody use Facebook? Have you seen this post floating around? I, I just recently saw it again. It said that Mark Zuckerberg has given away over $45 billion of Facebook stock, in, and he's going to give it to 10% of ordinary people. And all you've got to do is copy and paste this message in a post and tag five friends, and Facebook's going to search all the posts and choose the winners. Isn't that an awesome deal, right? Free money, billions, Right? How in the world do people fall for that? Even people that I think are smart have reposted that message. Man, I can't count how many times I've seen people post a so-called legal notice about their privacy, right, on Facebook, to stop Facebook from stealing their pictures and videos. And they serve notice on Facebook, apparently on the premise that someone in California is sitting in an office reading every single post of several hundred million people, and then reading yours and then changing your status and and stepping in and saying, hey, guys, we can't steal from them anymore, right? It's a hoax. It's a game. People make something up, they post it, and they want to see how many people they can get to repost it, right? It's not just Facebook, is it? It seems like new scams pop up every day, right? You get a call that your grandson is being held in a Mexican prison and needs money immediately, Right? Or, or, or he's been kidnapped and you better pay money before something bad happens. Or you've won a contest and all you've got to do is supply your bank account information and the money will be kindly deposited into your bank account. Right? Or, or you've, you've got to join a new prescription plan or lose your Medicare coverage. Your internet boyfriend loves you, but, but can't get out of his country without financial help, and so you send him money, right? People in Pakistan are reading your Facebook posts, and they want to know more about your religion. They just need money for Bibles, right? Or how about this one? Free tickets on Delta, right? Free cruises with Disney. I even saw one for free first-class tickets on Southwest Airlines. By the way, Southwest Airlines doesn't even have first-class Right? It's a big business tricking and scaring people into sending money or giving personal information, social security numbers, credit card, and bank account numbers. So listen to me. I want to save you from getting ripped off with a few simple principles this morning. If it sounds too good to be true, it is. Right? We all dream of getting something for nothing. You won't. If you won money or prize, you don't have to supply your bank account information in order to get it or send money for shipping and handling. Your grandson hasn't been kidnapped, and if you get that message or call, don't send money. Call the FBI. Don't ever send money to someone you meet online. Not for any reason, never. Well, Pastor Jason, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just a skeptic. I'm in love. It must be true. I've been talking to him for months. Yep, and you've been giving him money for months. And, and, and quit sending him money and see how quickly he disappears. The truth is people lie, scheme, they steal, and they take advantage of good-hearted people trusting people. It shouldn't happen, but it does every single day. The result of all the scams and the lies is you don't know who or what to trust. In fact, there are whole businesses built on the lack of trust. If you don't trust your spouse, your kids, you can buy all kinds of secret stuff to spy on them. You don't have to trust their word. You can find out yourself. How about this one? This is envelope 
x-ray spray. And you can spray it on the envelope, and it makes it translucent for about 30 seconds, and you can read what's inside the envelope. Anybody want that? Right? Or, or how about this thing? This right here is a supersonic hearing device, right? It lets you listen in on conversations. No one's ever going to notice you, right? And, and so all you do is you just look through this, you point it at them, and you listen. I heard that. Right? You can buy a portable lie detector. $29.99. Man, I bet that thing's accurate. How about this? A picture frame with a camera built in. You know, I bet nobody ever notices the camera in it. Or hold on, my favorite, super top secret spy glasses. These allow you to see what's behind you. Hey, don't get up. I can see you. You better stay seated. Aren't those incredible? Right? We, we laugh because some of those are for kids, but you can install keystroke logging software so that you know everything that's done on a computer, every website that's visited, every email that's sent. You can put a GPS tracker on your kid's phone so you know exactly how fast they're driving. Thank God they didn't have that when I was driving. Um, if they did, I probably still wouldn't be able to drive. Right? You can spy on your spouse, your kids, your coworkers. You can spy on your employees to make sure that they're doing right, that they're working right, and they're keeping their word. It, it's really kind of sad when trust is gone. The dictionary definition of trust is confident expectation of something, a reliance on the integrity, strength, and ability of the person or thing or confidence. It's a person or thing on which one relies. How many people do you trust 100% without doubt or without question? Right? If they say it, you believe it every single time. You know that you can rely on them and their integrity. Right? How many? I would be willing to bet that the list is really short. There's a definite erosion of trust in our society, and we trust fewer people less often. I'm concerned because I wonder if the way we trust people affects the way that we trust God. I worry that the disappearance of trust in people, governments, and media, and then that carries over into your God concept. If people let you down, do you expect God to let you down as well? When things are going good, you're healthy, you're happy, and you're whole, trust is easy. The true test of trust is when things don't go your way. Today, I want to take a different look at the Easter story. But I want to focus on the day that's usually overlooked, Saturday. What do you think Mary, the mother of Jesus, felt like the day after the most emotion-packed devastating day of her life. Mary knew the child she raised was the son of God. It started with a word from God delivered by an angel who said, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. 
The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. You see, Mary put her trust and her confidence in in the very word from God that said his kingdom will never end. His reign will be forever. You see, Mary knew that Jesus was all-powerful and invincible until the cross. And now her son, God's son, was dead. And she witnessed Jesus' cruel death. And she saw the nails that were driven through his hands and his feet. She saw a spear that was thrust into his side. She heard his final words and saw Jesus take his last breath. You see, the cross created doubts, questions, fear, and hesitation. For Mary, not only did her son die on the cross, but her dreams, her hopes, her ambitions, even her sense of identity was stripped away. We don't have a lot of details in Scripture about Saturday, but I believe that Mary went into a deep depression. Trust in God and his promises was over. Instead, her thoughts were, it's over. It's out of my control. There's nothing left for me to do. Will I ever be happy again? Will life ever get back to normal? Maybe you've had those same thoughts. Everything I've ever hoped for is gone. There's no reason to live. I might as well give up. God's promise wasn't. You see, but it wasn't only Mary. Jesus' followers believed that he was the son of God, the savior of the world. But when Jesus died, even though he predicted it, they were disappointed, discouraged, and disillusioned. They were afraid. Hope was gone because Jesus was defeated. The one that they had put all their trust in had let them down. You see, for Mary and the followers of Jesus, Saturday was a dark and lonely day. They knew what Jesus said, that he would rise again. And when he said it, they trusted. But now their trust had been rocked by the reality of their situation. The angry crowds, the gory death, the blood. Saturday was a crisis of trust. You may be facing a Saturday. Not the literal day, but a crisis of trust. A period of doubt and discouragement. You've got a big need. You've got a big problem. You're waiting for the answer that doesn't seem to come. Since Saturday is the period between the tragedy and the miracle. The time between the bad news and the good news. The waiting between the problem and the answer. In life, Saturday is over and over, you ask why. Right? So on Saturday, you try to find a new plan. On Saturday, you question everything. Some people approach Saturday by ignoring the reality. If I pretend it's not there, I won't have to deal with it. And others withdraw from everything. They curl up and they weep. They assume it's over, that God has let them down. And since they don't know what to do, they don't do anything. For them, in some ways, Sunday never comes. They're trapped in perpetual Saturday of sorrow and despair. Saturdays are difficult and challenging. Saturdays are long and painful. Hope dies and trust ends. What do you do? How do you trust in a life of Saturdays, the gap between the problem and the answer, the tragedy and the miracle? 
How do you trust in a God you can't see when you're overwhelmed with a problem you can see? Here's what I know, is that trust is built on history. Every time I do what I say, every time I come through for you, every time what I say happens, you trust me a little bit more. Right? Over time, you decide, I trust Pastor Jason. His word is good. He's proven himself to me. I trust him. Trust is built over time with consistency. You see, to keep trusting in hard times, you've got to change your focus. Instead of focusing on your present, focus on God's history. What has God done for you in the past? What has God done for others? Think back to when he saved you, to when he healed you, to to when he miraculously supplied a need. Listen, when you focus on God's history, it creates faith and trust for your future. You script out your life. You you plan how you expect it to go, where you expect it to be, even how long you expect it to live, right? Then you invite God to be a part of your plan and expect him to follow you. But following your plans and your timetable isn't how God operates. Trust realizes I am a part of God's plan, not God is a part of my plan. God's plan for you goes far beyond just you. You're a piece of a bigger puzzle. When you realize that you're a part of the bigger picture, you're able to put problems in perspective. This is what we know about Joseph. After all of his heartache, Joseph looked back over the years of negatives and circumstances, and he reached a conclusion. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You see, God didn't intend evil for Joseph. God took evil, and he twisted it in such a way to position Joseph for impact and blessing. God took what looked like and seemed like a really bad series of circumstances and used those same circumstances to make Joseph's dreams come true. Joseph looked back on the years of lonely, dark Saturdays, and he realized that God was using people and circumstances even when I didn't realize it. It wasn't my plan, but now I can see God made it all a part of his plan. You see, one day you're going to look back on a life of Saturdays and see just how God was using you to impact others and preparing you for his plan. Isaiah said it this way, clearly you are God who works behind the scenes. Paul wrote in Romans 8, 28, and we know all things work. All things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, the good things, the bad things, the evil things, unfair things, horrible things, and great things. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. The principle is simple. Horrible circumstances don't mean that you're out of the will of God. Think about Jesus' followers. Saturday seemed like the end of his plan, but God's plan was just beginning. You struggle with trust when things don't make any sense, but trust is not only believing that God will do it. Trust allows him to choose how he does it. A friend of mine sent me an email about trust, and his words are powerful, and I want to read you those words this morning. 
says we lose trust in God because we feel like he hasn't fulfilled his promise or we feel like he hasn't blessed us. The problem is we limit God's blessings, miracles, or promises to what we think they have to be for the situation. We think the only way God can bless us financially is if he completely pays off our debts. We think the only way it's a miracle is if God completely heals us. We choose how God is going to bless us. We choose the miracle that has to take place. Unless that specific thing that we decide must happen happens, we feel let down and we lose trust in God. If we remove our tunnel vision on God's blessing, we might actually realize that God has been blessing us all along. No, he didn't pay off all the debt, but he provided an extra job or someone paid for a meal. Just because God doesn't do what we think his blessing should be doesn't mean that he hasn't and he isn't blessing us. His will, not our will. His plan, not our plans. Those are great words of wisdom for life Saturdays. In the 1700s, William Cowper wrote a poem. And parts of it people think are in the Bible, but it's just a poem. The first stanza reads, God works in a mysterious way. His wonders to perform, he plants his footsteps in the sea, and he rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never-ending skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. You faithful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings all over your head. Isn't that a great word picture? I love that line. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. How many of you would sign up for cloud-breaking blessings pouring all over you, right? Even when you don't understand it, God is working. Listen to me. God still works on Saturdays. Listen, it would have been so much easier for the followers of Jesus if when they took his dead body off the cross, suddenly there was a bright light from heaven. There was a spotlight on Jesus and and everybody stopped and the people carrying Jesus' body suddenly felt something begin to move. And Jesus shook them off and he stood up with hands raised in victory and the entire crowd saw him healed, whole, and alive. Wouldn't that have been a great story? It certainly would have been much easier for the disciples But instead, they endured Saturday. They suffered through the test of trust. They couldn't make something happen. There was nothing they could do. They had no choice but to trust God's timing. But trust doesn't demand immediate results. I want you to listen to Pastor Dave's Richard's story about his parents who were missionaries to Holland. Kansas for 25 years, and then were called to the mission field. They went to Holland. One of the things they wanted more than anything was to learn the language. In one year, my dad learned it and preached it. It was quite amazing. My dad became the Bible school president, and their prayers, more than anything, were to see the Bible school accredited so that everyone would have real degrees. They retired after about 26 years, 
and uh, came home. My dad passed away a few years later. My mom passed away, and uh, it seemed that their prayers hadn't been answered. We now fast forward 15 years, and Cheryl and I had the opportunity to go back to Holland. They had asked me to speak for the Bible school graduation, a fully accredited Bible school. And I'll never forget how the people came up to us after the celebration that night and said, oh, if your parents just could have been here, if they just could have experienced this moment, if they just could have had their prayers answered. And I said, their prayers were answered, but it was in God's timing. My parents. Do you know why you should trust God's timing? Because you don't have a choice. <laughs> right? You can't perform miracles. You can't make things happen, even though sometimes you try. We pray for God to bless us in finance, and we try to make our own way. We pray for God's intervention with our kids, and then we intervene. It doesn't work. You say, but Jason, I'm tired of waiting. Listen, I understand I've been there. But God not only knows what is right, he knows when is right. Trust includes not only God's plan and God's mess methods, but also God's timing. Here's another important and challenging aspect of trust, is trust doesn't demand proof. You're going to give me a new car? Yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Right? The, the check is in the mail. Sure it is. You're going to handle it? Yeah, right. And the old timer said it this way, the proof is in the pudding. I'm not even sure what that meant. You want to see proof in order to trust God, which makes it not trust. Right? Trust is believing that God is working even when you can't see it. Trust is belief plus confidence. Jesus was crucified, was dead, and he was buried. But on Sunday, Jesus rose from the grave. Jesus was seen by over 500 people in one instance. He really rose again. It's a historically verified fact. From death to life, from frightened, lonely, and despondent, and defeated, to excited, victorious, and triumphant. What a difference a day makes. She laid down to sleep, Mary started to weep, remembering the cross and the nails. But she was there when he died, as the spear pierced his side. She watched as his life slipped away. But in the morning she'll go and see a rolled away stone and she'll step into an empty tomb cause what a difference a day makes what a change in the air what a glorious feeling of hope 
cuts through the doubt and despair. And when the night seems so long, soon the morning will break, and you'll discover at dawn what a difference a day makes. For the mother whose child has grown reckless and wild Cannot see past all the pain For the father whose plans have grown right through his hands You feel like your prayers are in vain Don't lose faith in the night Cause when the morning brings light, you'll drive all your shadows away. Cause what a difference a day makes. What a change in the air. What a glorious feeling of hope. doubt and despair when the night seems so What a change in the air. What a glorious feeling of hope. Cuts through the doubt and despair. Oh, will the night seem so long? Soon the difference a day makes what a difference a day makes on the other side of Saturday is Sunday trust is proven on Saturday trust is rewarded on Sunday keep trusting Saturday may seem like it's lasting forever but Sunday's coming. Now, before I finish, I want to encourage you. You might be thinking, man, I've already messed this trust thing up. I've already failed. Things went wrong. I lost my confidence in God. I know it was a wrong decision, but I, I quit trusting. Well, does God walk away and give up? 
is God's miracle-working power somehow tied to your trust that when you quit trusting, he quits working? Is there any hope for me? You see, when you fail the faith test, God is still patient. Remember Thomas? He was known as Doubting Thomas. For some reason, Thomas wasn't there when Jesus appeared to the disciples. And when the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, Thomas didn't believe him. He said in John 20, he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe it. And a week later, Jesus appeared to his disciples again. And he singled out Thomas and he said, you, come here. He said, put your fingers here. See my hands, reach out your hand and put it to my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. You see, even in your doubt and even in your lack of trust, Jesus will show up. God is faithful in spite of your doubt. There is a God you can always depend on. There is a God you can lean on. There is a God who will always be there. You can trust him. Hebrews 13, starting in 5, says, God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, this, the Lord is my helper and I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Man, I love that verse. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know what? Forever includes tomorrow. Forever includes that span of time that you don't understand. You can always count on him. He's not going to let you down. He'll be there every time that you need him. He will never leave you, and he will never forsake you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can trust him. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray for you. If you're in one of life's Saturdays, if you're in that gap between the prayer and the answer, the, the problem and the promise, the challenge and the victory, Listen, struggling with trust isn't a sin. Matter of fact, struggling with trust makes us human. It's part of who we are. There, there's something difficult about wanting, needing, and desiring a miracle. Wanting an answer and, and needing an answer. Looking for that answer and the challenge of waiting. Maybe for you it's even further where, where you are just convinced that God's not going to come through for you. There's not going to be an answer. Maybe you're at give up. Listen, I've got good news for you. When, when, when you are at the give up, God still shows up. He's faithful. You say, Pastor Jason, would you pray for me? Because I'm in one of those Saturday moments, and I need a boost in my trust level. I need the assurance that he's still working. If that's you... Would you just raise your hand right where if you'd say, Pastor, I'm in one of those Saturday moments right now. Yeah. We want to pray for you this morning.
Here's what we're not going to pray. We're not going to pray, Lord, speed up your timing and change your timing for us. Because we know that that prayer doesn't work. Instead, we're going to pray that God will lift you, strengthen you, and encourage you and build your trust. We're going to pray in the middle of a Saturday that you'll sense his presence overwhelming you and you'll feel his peace surrounding you and you'll have the strength to face another day. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the promise of your words that you will never leave, that you will never forsake us. We thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we come to you today, consistent, faithful, trustworthy God, and we ask for for your strength in a life of Saturdays. Lord, I pray for people in this room, God, who say, I'm in the middle of this Saturday. I need to feel his strength, and I need his presence, and I need his power. I need my trust built. Lord, build our trust. Not a trust built on our situation, but a trust built on your history. Not a trust based on who you are, but a trust that is confident on who you are. Lord, I pray for strength. Let encouragement replace discouragement. Let peace replace anxiety. God, I pray that doubt and fear would be replaced by trust and confidence. God, we trust you. We trust your methods. We trust your, tithe, your timing. God, build our trust. Lord, I pray that in the middle of the dark time and the lonely time that you would ever remind us that Sunday is coming that your power is still at work, that you are a God that works behind the scenes. Lord, I pray for people today that are at that give up moment. God, maybe they've even considered suicide and they've said there's just no point. There's just no point in living. The grief won't stop. The sorrow won't stop. They can't go on. Lord, in the quietness of the moment right now, God, minister with your presence. God, I pray for an overwhelming sense of you because you are still with us on Saturday. Let hope and trust be built in an unchanging God. We thank you for your promises. Your word is always true. We trust you even when we can't understand. We trust you, Lord. Amen. He's the one made us. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. I'm telling you today, you can trust him. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. He is enduringly strong. He is entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He is imperially powerful and impartially merciful. He is the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He is God's son. He is the sinner's savior. I'm telling you, church, you can trust him does not have to call for help and you can't confuse him he doesn't need you and he doesn't need me he stands alone in the solitude of himself he's unparalleled 
He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He's the miracle of the age. I'm telling you, you can trust him. He can meet all your needs, and he can do it simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tired. He sympathizes, and he sees. He guards, and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the leper, and he forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers captives, and he defends the feeble. He blesses the young, and he regards the aged. He rewards the diligent, and he beautifies the meek. And I'm telling you, you can trust him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway to glory. You can trust him. He's a master of the mighty. He's a captain of the conquerors. He's a head of heroes. He's a leader of legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's a governor of the governors. He's a prince of princes. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. You can trust him. I wish I could describe him to you, but he's indescribable because he is uncomprehensible. He's irresistible because he's invincible. You can't get him off your hands. You can't get him off your mind. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, yes. and thank God that the grave could not yes, hold God. him. Amen. There was nobody before him, and there will be nobody after him. Yes. He has no predecessor, and he will have no successor. You can't impeach him, and he's not going to resign. You can trust him. You can trust him. He's an awesome God. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He's all things. He's the giver of life. He's the joy out of every sorrow. He's the light out of every darkness. He's the peace that passes all understanding. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. You can trust him. There's no God before him, and there will be none after him. We can walk out of this church today knowing that God is trustworthy. You can trust him.